The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to Absurd Psychology, everybody. I really appreciate you joining. I am so fortunate. We've got an episode uh, called Creating Laughter. And this episode is extremely special because I have an incredible guest, Yakov Smirnov, on uh, with me today. And, uh, you know, I just want to go through because there are so many health factors to humor, and humor brings so much to it. You know, researchers say children laugh about 300 times a day, adults perhaps 15 times a day. That is enormous. I mean, and it's true because people's lives become so serious, and it's very difficult to get back to a humorous state of mind. You know, the sound of roaring laughter is far more contagious than than any cough or a cold or sniffle or sneeze, humor and laughter can cause a domino effect of joy and amusement in our lives, yet so many of us forget to have that. You know, it also fosters relaxation, it also lowers blood pressure, boosts the immune system, improves brain functioning, protects the heart, and when we laugh, there are natural killer cells which destroy tumors and viruses and increase along with gamma Interferon, which is a disease-fighting protein, T-cells, which are important for our immune system, and B-cells, which make disease-fighting antibodies. So laughter, you know, actually increases oxygen, and it also encourages healing, and, and it is so important to laugh in our lives. And uh, so Yakov is going to go into basically the science of laughter and how to generate that. Let me introduce him real quick. He's a mainstay in the entertainment scene since the late 70s. Yakov Smirnov was a regular guest on the award-winning NBC sitcom Night Court. He has a popular uh, guest of a, he's been a popular guest on numerous national TV shows, including The Tonight Show. You've seen him on HBO and enjoyed his humor on critically acclaimed Showtime special. Uh, Yakov is also co-starred in movies such as Moscow on the Hudson with Robin Williams, Tom Hanks in The Money Pit, Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson in Heartburn, Richard Pryor in Booster's Millions. Yakov was invited to even perform at the White House for several presidents and honored guests, and President Ronald Reagan called Yakov a national treasure. Since 1992, Yakov Smirnov has performed at his own theater in Branson, Missouri, where he has entertained over 
four million visitors and produced several outstanding award-winning shows. His comedic style is firmly grounded within his mission statement, which is to experience happiness and teach it to the world with passion through comedy and sensitivity. In his newest endeavor, the Happily, the Happily Ever Laughter Tour, Yakov takes his comedy to a new level to showcase laughter's effects on relationships and envisions a world where sadness and tears are replaced with love and laughter. His funny philosophies can also be heard at Missouri State University and Drury University, where Yakov Smirnov is a professor who teaches about the relationship of love and laughter. He received his master's degree in psychology from an Ivy League University of Pennsylvania and is also a best-selling author. Whether on stage or in a classroom, Yakov Smirnov's audiences love him. He's passionate about helping people extend the honeymoon stage of their relationships and fall in love and laughter all over again. While in the process of doing so, he leaves his crowd in stitches, fulfilling his promise that you might laugh your Yakov. <laughs> so, Yakov, welcome to our show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gary. That's a great intro. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You. You've got quite a history in this country. You've also, when I was uh, telling friends uh, that you were going to be on my show, just everybody just lit up like a candle. They're like, really? Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> so, well, thank uh, you. Thank you. I'm that means so a lot. Happy. I appreciate it. Thank um, you. You know, can you talk about your relationship to psychology and how you bring humor and psychology together? Well, obviously, humor was there before psychology for me. I definitely, you know, started like as a a kid, um, you know, learning about uh, laughter. And I didn't really, you know, understand psychology at that time. But I, I kind of made some discoveries, you know, that a child could make, you know, when I um, had my... My parents um, we lived we lived in a in a communal apartment. Uh, my parents and I, and um, uh, there was nine families living in one apartment. And uh, when my parents wanted to be romantic, and I was a little kid, they would send me to look out the window. And then my dad would say, "So do you see the window?" And I said, "Our neighbors being romantic." And he said, how can you tell? I said, because their son is looking at me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was, that created kind of a discovery that you can call psychology because as a child, I made the discovery that my parents were happy and they were laughing. So I kind of figured that maybe laughter is the way people um, express happiness and, or communicate it to each other that they're happy. And, um, and so I wanted to kind of make sure that, uh, um, that, um, you know, I knew that, that it was universal, you know, so I went to school and we had, uh, a teacher who was not very friendly. And she said to the class, Anybody who is not smart, stand up. And I stood up. And she said, Yaakov, you're pretty smart. And I said, yeah, but I didn't want you to be the only one standing. (laughs) And this was kind of my early experiment 
of psychology to see if my friends would laugh or my classmates would laugh. And obviously they did. And, and that kind of made me realize that that must be the way people um, express happiness. So, and I still, to this day, that's kind of my main um, way to uh, help people is to make that recognition of if you're aware that laughter is not just good for you the way you described, Gary, uh, when you were describing all the benefits of laughter, if you can just see that uh, as one side of the coin, that nobody's really arguing that. Everybody is saying, okay, yes, it is good for me. Laughter is the best medicine, and we, we know it from, you know, being children that that's good. But how do you create it? That became my quest. And I was fortunate to have that profession that I make people laugh. Uh, but I didn't really understand how I did that. So that's where I went to college and got my master's degree in positive psychology. And uh, that's, uh, that's what's been uh, my journey. Wow. You know, how, how can an average person learn how to create laughter? Well, you know what, Gary? Uh, uh, here are a couple of things that, that needs to be established before I can answer the question. Um, a lot of people uh, substitute the word a laughter with humor or comedy, and those are very different entities. So recognizing that laughter is its own entity is very important here before you can teach or, or explain people how they can do that. Um, because we all experience laughter. We all know how to laugh. Laughter is given to us when we're born. We don't have to be trained. We have to be trained to walk and talk and read and write, but not laugh. You, if the baby is content and the baby's needs are met and you tickle the baby, what does the baby do? They laugh. <laughs> they laugh. So, Absolutely. So my, my son if, screams. If you take that model, now the baby's world is a lot simpler than, than our world. However, um, if our needs are met and, and we apply sense of humor, so it's kind of Needs mad, sense of humor creates laughter. Needs not mad, you can have sense of humor, the best one, nobody's going nobody's gonna to laugh. Wow. Safety. So understanding, so it's really, you're asking how does average person create that? You have to understand the, your partner's needs. Because uh, think about this, Gary, in the beginning of the relationship, Everyone, I mean, and I asked this question over 4 million people in my theater, uh, everyone remembers laughter and happiness being part of that honeymoon stage of the relationship. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. So where does it go? I mean, the sense of humor was there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? I, I mean, call you it were job laughing. security. Something was funny, right? <laughs> right. 
but so where did it go? And I'm saying that the only the only thing that did change is that we don't meet each other's needs the way we used to. Wow. And then slowly we're starting to see that laughter is gone and we don't understand why, so we blame it on well, he doesn't have a good sense of humor, she doesn't have a good sense of humor. And then, and that's not the truth. That's not true. The truth is we stop uh, meeting the other person's needs. And because what was happening hormonally, we were driven to procreation. Mother nature does, you know, she serves a cocktail much stronger than Smirnoff. (laughs) You know, you get oxytocin, you get dopamine, you get all of those. I mean, you know, dopamine, as you know, is as strong as cocaine. Oh, yeah. And the <laughs> body creates it. And, you know, it's like Woodstock all over again, you know? <laughs> yes. And everybody doesn't understand why they're, like, having such a great time. Well, they're high. Right. They shouldn't be driving during that time. Right. <laughs> uh, they'll be pulled over by DWI, you know? <laughs> Driving while infatuated. But infatuated. <laughs> That's great. <sighs> you know, when you talk about comic structure, what, what, do you, yes. what do you mean? What do you mean by that term? Comic rupture, is that what you're saying? Structure, comic structure. Oh, structure, yes. Well, the structure happens, I'm, I'm looking, I'm not looking at the, a comedian telling a joke. I'm looking right. at um, anyone who ever created laughter. If you dissect it, and uh, uh, let's say you take a snapshot of that moment when the people are roaringly laughing, right? Right. And I'm saying, and if you took snapshots two seconds, one second before that, what I'm suggesting that at that time, the needs of people that are involved are being met. Something happens at that time, whether they're feeling that it's a release of stress, whether they're sensing um, some kind of a, a situation that, that changed dramatically, and then sense of humor triggers the laughter. So you have to be in the position when everybody is feeling good and then the the humor triggers the laughter. I follow you. I follow you. So when you talk about the creation of laughter in comparison to a joke, is a, jo- a joke is much more structured. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Very. That's brilliant. Exactly. The joke has the setup, which is you tell a story and the people get involved in the story. Like I'm telling you a story, let's say, about looking out the window, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That my dad said, what do you see in the window? I said, our neighbor's being romantic, right? <laughs> and, and how can you tell? Because their son is looking at me. So I'm telling you a story. The story meets your needs. You're asking me a question. I'm telling you that here's what I experienced when I was a child, and you're going along with me, 
and then I throw you a surprise. That's the sense of humor. Right. Right. Humor is when you can see the normal situation from a very far removed place that nobody else sees. And once you expose it, everybody sees it that way too. Yeah. So that no. sense of humor, that's not... So you had set up is meeting somebody's needs and then sense of humor is the ability to see, to, to throw a surprise. And the third element is laughter. Totally different element. Wow. You know, so uh, we, we got a, only a couple minutes before we take a break, but how do you know what to stay away from as far as what to not make a part of humor? Whatever doesn't make people, whatever doesn't meet people's needs, stay uh -huh. away from it. So if people don't want vulgarity, stay away from it. And a uh -huh. lot of comedians today are going that direction because they just want to shock you. Yeah. So, and I'm saying I always stay away from it. Yeah. And then it, the humor becomes much more appreciated by people who are, you know, don't want that. But if you, if they want it, if they're drinking and they want some, um, you know, blue humor, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all adults and there's nothing wrong with it. Right. When, when you try something to work something into your act, how, how long does it take to develop something like that for you? For me, it's a matter of like if the if I if I think it's funny and I put it in my act and it gets some kind of response from the audience, then it might take me two, three, four more times to polish it. If it doesn't get response first time, I might try it one more time. But if it doesn't work, then I take it out. I got you. I got you. Um, you know. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and uh, we're talking to Yakov Smirnov, world famous comedian and uh, international. <laughs> and so we're going to take a quick break, come back, and uh, we'll continue asking questions. You got it. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Are you good at leading yourself? 
In order to be more effective leaders in business, as managers, or in any organization, you've got to start by being good at self-leadership. On Leadership Takeoff, host Mo Glenner and his guests bring you the tools to help you lead yourself and your team to truly become the pilot in command. You need to tune in to Leadership Takeoff, live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Because the sky is not the limit. It's only the beginning. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the uh, creation of laughter. And we have world-famous international guest Yakov Smirnov on the line with us. And uh, Yakov, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, it's, it's very hard for a person to break out of a bad mood. And I'm sure even with yourself... Uh, you have to perform. You have that profession to, you know, you have the profession where you have to perform even if things aren't going so well for the day. How how hard is it to turn a bad mood into laughter? Well, um, it, it's uh, it's a process. However, I think it's it's doable. In my case, you know, I'm a professional, and people hire me to to deliver. And I also look forward to the audience, and I know when I give them what they need, they will give me the feedback, and the feedback is laughter. So it's, it's really, it's starting the process, but I need to first give them what they need. And I um, developed this uh, four-step system that it's a concept that you can, you know, I'd be happy to share with you. Um, I call it GIFT, G-I-F-T. And wow. what that, what it means, it's give, it's an acronym for give importance, fun, and time. Give importance, fun, fun and, and time. time. Interesting. It, it works for every situation I use it with my children. I use it with my beloved. I use it with my um, audiences. I use it everywhere. And it works 100%. So wow. all you need to do is to go in your mind, say, what is important? And, and even towards yourself. But I'm going to explore it with you um, for, for somebody else. Let's say someone, someone else, your spouse is in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. And you can go for those four steps and say, what is important to that person right now? What do you, and you, you're guessing, you know, but you know them, so you probably will do okay. Mm-hmm. What's important? What is, uh, uh, and then what is fun? 
and what is, uh, and can you spend some time on this? And normally, uh, situations, you know, that, that present themselves will unveil pretty much that formula works. I was talking to this couple. They were married 80 years. 80. 80 years. 8-0. Yeah, 8-0, oh. right? Yeah. And they're in California. And, they're, and I asked them, I said, does that make sense to you? And, and the lady said, it does. Because, you know, when we got married, it was depression time. And my husband wanted, he knew it was important uh, to, uh, to stay warm because we were, winter was coming. And he wanted to get me a fur coat, but he couldn't afford it. So he went out and got me a mouse trap. <laughs> and the little card said, it's a starter kit. It's a, st- <laughs> a starter kit. So she said, I laughed. And, and that's what I'm telling people that what it does if you look at that scenario, you realize that he put herself, that, that she was very important to him. And yet he couldn't afford something at that moment. So he wanted to make it fun for her. So he went out and got this mousetrap and, and brought it to her, put a little card on it, and it made her laugh. Because he took care of that, gave importance, fun, and time. And I can guarantee you, every time I deal with scenarios that, let's say, you want to create a nice birthday for your uh, son or your daughter, go for those four steps. What can you give to them, you know, that would make them feel important and create some fun and spend some time with them? And boy, it turns everything around. That is ingenious. That's absolutely ingenious. You know, what, what, what role did laughter play in your family? I know you, you obviously you grew up in Russia. Um, very A big difficult. role, because it doesn't matter, really. People laugh everywhere, no matter how. They're, my parents continue laughing. They were married 52 years. They oh. were, again, I believe that the reason they were laughing, because they were giving each other the right appropriate gift. And, and when the gifts are, are correct or right, then the laughter will be triggered by a sense of humor. So my dad, you know, he would say something in passing to me like, Yaakov, do you know why your mother and I have a great relationship? Because when we got married, we made an agreement. I'm not going to run her life, and I'm not going to run my life. <laughs> And my mom would crack up. No matter how serious situation was, she would crack up. And that's how you, you know, that was his sense of humor. But, but if the situation was tense and it wasn't, he wasn't meeting her needs, laughter would not happen. I guarantee you that. You've been there. Everybody who's listening, oh, I'm sure. Oh, everybody's been there. Yeah. Been there when, when something is wrong and you're trying to make a joke. And it backfires at you, and you're saying, well, just I was just trying to be funny. Well, it's not funny a lot of times, and the main difference is if the needs of the person that you're trying to create laughter with were not met, good luck, buddy. No kidding. Wow. You know, what is it like for you to live 
with the expectation that you have to be funny. Well, you know, in the beginning of my career, I probably paid a lot more attention to what people expected, but I don't pay attention to that much more. I mean, I, I, I am who I am. And if people, I think people enjoy me also for who I am more than just being funny. So I, I found that to be, uh, I can be profound. I can be serious. I can be humorous. I can be all of those things. And people enjoy that. So I don't have to feel the pressure that I have to be funny. I understand. You know, you, you talk a lot about uh, happily ever after and a relationship, but how does humor, in your mind, affect how a family operates? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, you know, you probably know uh, the divorce rate right now is just pretty pretty big um, through the roof and uh, the this was psychology today was uh, doing this report and mm-hmm. they um, they said that tw- um, in first marriages of uh, 50% getting a divorce mm-hmm. in second marriage is 67% divorce correct correct the third marriage is 73% divorce yeah Mm-hmm. It's almost so, like a self-fulfilling so prophecy. I believe that laughter could be a huge help because what it can do for you, it can de- detect early stages when relationship is not working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, a, do you know that canary in a cold mine? Yes. It's like when they, they, they bring canary to a cold mine all, dies, all day. And that's the warning. Because yeah. canary was sensitive to the gas that the human being could not sense. Right. And so if the canary stops singing, you better figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I believe that laughter, if there is no laughter, because I think what happens is this. We experience laughter when we meet that special someone. And that's almost the first thing that happens. And second, later on, we get intimate and move in together and all of that and get mm-hmm. married. And, and then when things not working, laughter is the first thing to go. Second thing is intimacy. Third thing is your house. <laughs> in, in that order. In that so order, that's the truth. In that order. So if you can catch the laughter, when the <laughs> laughter is diminishing, you're, you're so much better off than most people. That's the truth. Boy, that's the canary in the, in the gold mine. Yes, you're that's absolutely correct. right. <laughs> is there a philosophy that someone has to change in their mind to, to make humor a, a forefront of who they are? Is there a thought process? That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm actually saying the the opposite. I'm saying that humor have been there and will be there. Ah, That's not moving part. The part that's moving is that you don't meet the other person's needs. You don't make them important Ah, anymore. And then laughter goes away. The humor didn't go away. I got you. 
You know, you've spent so much time in Branson, Missouri. What is it about the audiences out there that draws you to that community? They they like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. They like me. They I represent the values that they believe in about family and uh, love of the country. So I I I come out clean. That's a huge thing here. Most people, I mean, can't perform in Branson because they use you know foul language. Right. I don't. Right. So, so because they like me, I like them. I've been here 23 years. This is actually my last season here. Wow. I'm moving back to Hollywood to do other things, but, uh, but, but this been my home for 23 years. Congratulations. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. You've been out there that long. I'm sure. Yep. Well, I'm sure you've got people that come and see you on a continuous basis, come see your yes. shows. Yeah. Wow. You know, what would you say is a common thread that most comedians share that keeps them in this field? Um, well, um, they obviously enjoy the response of the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, my son just started doing stand-up. He's 22, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he's performing in my show here in Branson. Oh, wow. And he, he is... Like he comes off the stage and says, I just love to hear how the laughter rolls from the front row to the back row. And, and it's just like a wave. It's such a high, it's a feeling of, you know, certain amount of power, certain amount of uh, excitement, certain amount of, um, recognition that you are creating this, you on your own making this difference and people appreciate you for what you do and it's an instant uh, gratification as well. Wow. Who, who I, I noticed uh, like Buddy Hackett was on your uh, website, but I mean, who are some of the comedians that you looked at and said, wow, they've got, they've, they understand? Oh, um, I was very fortunate to work with Robin Williams. Um, he was brilliant. Um, and I love working with Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, you know, I was so fortunate to work with a lot of great, uh, Johnny Carson was amazing. Yeah. Um, so there, there are a lot of people that I look up to, uh, in their, sense of timing, sense of uh, understanding of this wonderful field that I'm in. Mm -hmm. you know, can you share like a, a story of, of some of the people that you've interacted with that were very successful? Um, any, any stories? Yes, I, I can tell you a quick you? story about uh, Robin Williams um, and I, uh, well, he was making a movie, Mask on a Hudson. Mm -hmm. and that was in the 80s, and I was just new at the comedy store, and he brought Paul Mazursky to the uh, comedy store to see me, and uh, Paul hired me to, to be working with Robin in the movie. So I was like, you know, in heaven uh, to do that, and um, when we, were, we started filming, 
I said to Robin, hey, you know, uh, the scene that we're doing for scene is really nice, but I think it can be better. So I came up with some ideas. Would you like to rehearse them with me? And then we will show it to Paul Mazursky and, and see if he, if he will uh, like this. And um, so he said, sure, let's do it. So we rehearsed like all night before the shoot, and then um, came to the shoot, uh, Paul says, the direct, he's a director and writer and a producer. He was all of them. And he said, okay, uh, let's do a rehearsal. So Robin and I start doing what we concocted. And then we finished, and he goes, uh, you know, he's looking at us, and we're looking at him, it's like, so what do you think? What do you think? And he says, you changed my script. And we said, yeah, isn't it great? He said, I'll give you five minutes to put it back the way it should be. If you are not going to be done in five minutes, you're both fired. Oh, <laughs> oh that's we, not good. <laughs> I, we, I mean, I didn't realize what happened is Robin made the deal with him because he was um, famous for improvising. And oh. the directors didn't want to work with him because of that. So they wanted him to stay to the script. And he made the deal with, with Paul Mazursky to do that. And oh. I didn't know that. He agreed to do it. I thought, well, that's cool. And so we put that script back the way it was in two minutes. In two minutes, and, uh, two minutes, we were back to normal. Yes, but it was it was tells you how great Robin. He wanted to play. He wanted to be doing different stuff. But Paul Mazursky wanted to stay with the script, which I understand. That's his right, right. Yeah. right. So we had a great time. Yeah, that's we interesting. With the script. I, I met uh, Robin Williams right when he completed Moscow on the Hudson. He was at Catch a Rising Star in. Uh, New York. I had a friend of mine, Max Alexander, that's a comedian there. And uh, yeah, I know Max. Yeah. Oh, you know Max? Okay. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I uh, known him since high school. And uh, anyway, so we uh, it, it, Max was performing there, and Robin rolled up and uh, was eating a sandwich, and then he went up and performed. So that was a he's a neat, neat, neat man. It's so sad he's gone. Yeah. Now. yeah. So when you talk about the laughter and joy, because you spend a lot of time on this, what what how can a person create a life of laughter and joy? Um, well, the, the best way, we know that it's working for honeymoon uh, stage of our life, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the only challenge is that the hormones are driving us. So mm -hmm. it's subconscious. We don't understand it. All I'm saying is if you make it conscious, and you're saying, what did I do during that time for my beloved? Or, right. for, or you can use the same thing with your children. Everybody uses this in business. Believe me, they're mm -hmm. meeting, they're doing, they're using that formula of the gift. Give mm -hmm. importance, fun, and time. If you look at your customer, everybody's doing it. Wow. Everybody gives them importance, fun, and time. We we'll talk to best salespeople, the best politicians, the best uh, church leaders. They're all using that formula. Wow. 
we just not using it in our personal lives, which is shame on us. Yeah, because if we learn to do it there, we should be applying it to ourselves. Absolutely. And that's what creates good business. That's what creates good family life. That family that plays together stays together. Stays together. That's why I wanted to have you on this show, sir. Uh, we're going to have to take a break, and I know you've got to go. I know you've got another commitment to, to go to, but I want to thank you so much, Yakov, for joining our show. My uh, pleasure. Way. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful. Um, Yakov Smirnoff will be taping a new PBS special called Happily Ever After on January 9th, 2016 on PBS at the California Performing Arts Center in Escondido, California. Yakov, thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about humor and creating laughter in our lives. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at DRGBMFT for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or DRGBMFT.com. Remember, DrGBMFT.com. Are decisions at the leadership level determined by influences of external factors? Discover by tuning into From the Boardroom to the Bedroom, The Protocol Praxis with Suzanne Z. Pedro. Science reveals that decisions are made subconsciously based on emotions and learning which occurs before one is aware. So take a chance. Open the door. Reframe your critical decisions with proven successful strategies. The Boardroom to the Bedroom. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about creating humor, creating laughter in our lives. And uh, uh, Yakov Smirnoff was here to give us a lot of insight on that. So I'm going to take this last segment. This, uh, by the way, is going to be for the season, my last show of the season. I will have a couple of tapings uh, that will come up here of old shows, and then I'll come back with a new season 
uh, very soon. So let's talk about this he uh, healing power of humor. It is extremely important to our health, and this is the one thing that so many people forget in our lives. And we have got to integrate laughter into our lives, no matter how fear-based we are, no matter how stressed out we are. We have to use it because it is the natural way for us to heal ourselves. Even in uh, Norman Cousins' book, Anatomy of Illness, he he even described how he cured himself by, uh, from a debilitating disease by using humor. Uh, basically, what he did was he watched old uh, Marx Brothers movies and laughed uncontrollably, and he believes his own laughter cured his disease, and he subsequently lived a long and healthy life well into his 80s. You know, today we have a better understanding how laughter affects human psychology. Uh, it reduces pain, as we talked about earlier in the show, at the very top of the show. It, ha it, has pain, it produces pain-killing hormones called endorphins in response to our laughter. It increases our immune system. A, a good belly laugh increases the production of T-cells, interferon, uh, immune proteins called uh, glob globulins. And it also decreases stress, and, and we, we also uh, produce a hormone called cortisol. And, and laughter can significantly lower cortisol, which makes us fat. And so it returns the body to a much more relaxed state. You know, the other good news is that it helps put life's trials into perspective, and it makes them smaller. It ages us, uh, aids us in overcoming fear. It, it also uh, takes our, ourselves less serious. You know, I've always said, and I've said this in other shows, we, we, there is a life philosophy, and it's very basic. It's called the, 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 the 184060 rule of life. And uh, Dr. Daniel Amen puts this forward. 1846, 18 to 40, we want to show everybody how great we are. We want to, you know, look, I'm a great adult. I, bought, I can go on vacation. I have money in the bank. I have a house. got kids. got a marriage. got a car. got all this thing. got a great job. Blah, blah, blah. We, we, we do that to get all this significant response from people. But what we realize around 40 is nobody really cares. Nobody really thinks about us a whole lot. Uh, even our children do not think about us unless they need something. I mean, we think people are thinking about us all the time, but they're not. They're not thinking about us. By the time we're 60, we realize nobody really thinks about us at all, and we have the freedom to be and do whatever we want to do. And that's when people start getting more immature, more childish, and more play-like because they realize that what they do just does not have the significance that they thought throughout their life. And the truth is, if we're able to not take our life serious as we think we are, what we are able to do is open the door for humor and humility. And we ourselves are the best subject for humor. Uh, if you're going to make fun of other people, you're going to find that there's a very dangerous uh, 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 platform there because many people don't like to be made fun of. But if we make fun of ourselves, humor is very easy and very fortunate. Also, if, like Yakov was saying, if we're looking at either other people's needs and trying to fulfill those needs and trying to, uh, even if we can do it in a small way instead of the way they would like, I think what it does is it brings an environment that we want. You know, if you want to humor up your environment, bring, you know, bring kids toys to work and, and keep them within reach. When, when you're stressed, take out a toy and play. Uh, that, that irritated customer on the phone will have no idea what you're doing to keep yourself cool by playing with the slinky. You know, place 
funny pictures of friends and loved ones around your office, including ones of you when you were ridiculously looking, uh, uh, especially if it was a kid, if it's a blackmail shot of you doing something stupid when you're a child. This is something to remind yourself to not take these conversations that you have, these negative conversations with negative people, so serious. You know, it doesn't hurt to, to create a humor file. You know, fill it with funny cartoons, sayings, and jokes. And when you run across them, you remember them and you read them and it puts you in a better mood. You know, create sitcom situations. When you find yourself in a nerve-wracking situation, such as uh, locking your keys in a car, think of how uh, Groucho or Lucy would have handled it. You know, try to take things out of the framework of what you normally think to create laughter in your life. For, for recreation, you know, do some things you did as a kid. Go to the zoo, an amusement park, bowling, swinging. You know, the sky's the limit. You, you'll find that these activities completely take you away from all the heavy stuff in life. If we just sit in the heavy stuff, we do not escape and we do not change our attitude and it is so important to have a shift in ad attitude you know if you exaggerate a stressful situation so, so so let's say you take your situation and you make it even bigger than it is you might think this will cause more stress however blowing the problem up will allow you to see the absurdity of it and afford you a good belly laugh you know invite friends for a come as you are party and insist they come as they are you know, that's another idea. Or a slumber party. When's the last time you had a slumber party? Probably as a child. Have one as a grown-up and see what happens. See what happens. You know, humor like love is very difficult. It's very difficult to study. Nonetheless, research indicates that humor and laughter significantly affect our brain chemistry. Parents intuitively know that when children become ill, they need to bring toys, games, comic books, and other fun items in order to improve their mood because children, when they stop laughing, that means they are sick. And that's incredible uh, opportunity for us to reinvent how to bring humor in our life is trying to bring humor into our child's lives. You know, children, once again, laugh almost 300 times a day. We as adults, only 15? Where is our humor? Where is laughter? We have to invent it. We can't just sit there and hope that it's going to throw itself on the windshield of our car because it's not going to do that. We have to seek it. We have to develop it in our, our lives. You know, um, MRI studies have indicated that laughing at funny cartoons can activate the same areas of the brain as, as using cocaine. And, and just the truth. I mean, Yakov was talking about that. A dopamine. Dopamine is the ingredient of an antidepressant. Dopamine levels increase, people feel happy. And so when you take an antidepressant, it relieves the stress, it adds the dopamine, and it creates a healthy brain. And that's what we need uh, in our life. And dopamine is very addictive from the sense of our body wanting to make more and more and more of it. And so comedy, thankfully, is a healing ingredient in life, and we often forget how readily available it is. You know... Um, you have got to understand that, that at any time, a humorous statement or a joke can be very effective in a group setting when a new member is reluctant to join that setting. That if you facilitate laughter in your life, that what will happen is people will relax and respond. You develop friendships. I mean, it is such an incredible thing. Um, 
even in Japan, they're, they're, they use humor, uh, humor therapy, where they laugh just uncontrollably for minutes at a time just to get the, uh, the sense of how to heal and get their body to heal. They understand in, in Asia how important laughter is. I think all of us do from a common sense perspective. You know, uh, if you look at the sense of uh, uh, in triggering those endorphins and in protecting your heart, why wouldn't you want that in your life? Um, you know, here's some things that you can do to create opportunities to laugh. You, you could watch a funny movie or a TV show. You could go to a comedy club and watch a professional comedian. You could read the funny papers. You could seek out funny people in your life. You could develop a good joke or a funny story and cultivate that in your mind. And you could continue cultivating a, a good joke or, or a, a funny story over time and put it on paper and, what, and find out what it does to your brain to know that you can tell a funny story. I mean, to have that is incredible. I, I remember my grandfather telling incredibly funny jokes as a child and he would tell these stories and there were long stories but they would always have funny endings and, and he would take a long time to develop those before he would tell us but those jokes and those stories will last in my family for ages and the reason is is because I have them in my brain from what he developed why can't you do that for your own children for your friends you know uh, here's another thing play with a pet pets are unconditional about joy they love joy and if we play with the pet wow they love it or goof around with the child and play with the child if you can do that that creates laughter and it can create laughter for you you know do something silly but you have to make time for activities like this you can't just set it aside and not be in a life without humor you know you've got to be more spontaneous and, and humor gets you out of your head and away from your troubles you want to lower your defenses if you're going to be in the world of laughter. And you want to have a release of your inhibitions, meaning you do things that you don't normally do. And by doing that, people respect you. They love the fact that you can take life and turn it into something from a morbid or a mediocre event to something happy. Also, express your true feelings because in laughter, it always has a truth to it. There's always a truth to it. And, and here's some other ways to start humor in your life. You know, having laughter is smile. You know, it is so contagious to smile, but people forget it. And, and there's even therapies in this world, in the United States, that are, are about humor, uh, humor therapy and laugh therapy. Uh, you know, counting your blessings. You know, if you just sit down and make a list of all the good things in your life, and you look at the one thing that you're fixating on that is bad in your life, that is a way to get away from the negative. And when you hear laughter, you want to move towards it. Don't move away from it. Move towards it and find out what it's all about. Also, uh, you want to spend time with fun and playful people because from them, you learn how to be happy. If you see other people be happy, you will learn how to be happy. And you want to learn how to bring humor into conversations and that is your personal responsibility not other people that is you learning the sense and the science of humor is part of human human communication humor is universal it is a universal language like music and if you learn how to integrate it you can talk to anybody in any country in any place just by the use of humor whether it is 
uh, metaphysical, meaning it's, it's a part of our body language, or if it's a part of our verbal language or our tone. You know, when we look at stuff that bring us down, you know, we have to ask, is it really worth getting upset over? Is it worth upsetting others? Is it that important? Is it really as bad as we think it is? Is it irreparable? And is it really your problem? Because the truth is, it probably isn't. But the best and most important thing you can do is always laugh at yourself. Always laugh at yourself and keep in perspective what is and isn't working. All right, that's our show. Absurd Psychology is on every Friday at 1 o'clock uh, uh, Pacific Time. I do not know what my next show will be because I haven't written it. I'm going to take a couple of weeks break. And uh, this is the last show of the season. I'll be back in a, in, a, in a little while. Meanwhile, please listen to our other 42 shows and let me know what you want to hear. I, I want to thank everybody for listening. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net or Twitter at DRGBMFT is how to get a hold of me. Now remember, homosexuality in Russia is a crime and the punishment is seven years in prison, locked up with other men. There is a three-year waiting list. <laughs> That's Yakov Smirnov's joke. And told horribly, by the way. <laughs> he also has another one. I like American women. They do things sexually Russian girls never dream of doing, like showering. <laughs> so that's our show. Thanks for joining and uh, tune in to Absurd Psychology. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.